There were a couple of uh, times this week where I recognized uh, the weight of my voice in my home. I'm not proud of this uh, story, but uh, there were just a couple of moments with my kids where they were asked to do something and they weren't doing it. And I have a way of standing and speaking that says, guys, get on it. Get it done. And when I say it that way, and when I bring that part of me to the situation, it is interesting how quickly they move into action. I think the text today God is saying, uh, church, get it done. Let's go. The, The parable we will read in a moment ends with Jesus saying, go and do likewise. We have a beeping issue here that needs to, we don't want you to hear that the whole time. We are live, so thanks for putting up with the the live. We have a text in which Jesus is saying, get it done. Go and do likewise. He is not saying go and journal. He is not saying go and think. Think more and figure it all out. He's saying, go and do. So would you join me for the reading of God's word, Luke chapter 10. We'll be starting in verse 25, a very familiar passage to many of us. Thanks for the adjustment there, everyone. Sorry. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a, young, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, took compassion on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, And gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. 
Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. What I've always found very interesting about this story is the very intellectual place it begins, the very lofty place the conversation begins, and how practically it ends. I mean, you ought to know, it was a young attorney who really was trying to trap Jesus. He'd been listening to the teachings. He knew the law, obviously. He was trying to set up Jesus with a question that would expose that what Jesus was teaching was actually not consistent, not accurate with with the, the law, the Torah. And so this young intellectual attorney comes to Jesus with a plan, with a plan to trap him. And what ensues is this brilliant kind of Jesus showing his his mind, his intellect, his ability to evade the question and to answer the question in a way that settles the curiosity, but the attorney presses on. When Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So then the attorney, again, very intellectual, very lofty, question is about this next, this next order, this kingdom, this, this new reality, maybe a little bit of heaven, this different experience than earth right here. And, and, and so Jesus he goes, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells this story. The first thing I want us to understand is that oftentimes in our pursuit of Jesus, we start with very lofty intellectual questions that have to do with another day, another promise of another kingdom. And here's the beautiful thing about God. We are promised that other kingdom. And we even get an opportunity in this life to taste that kingdom. We've talked about that plenty here at Lake. But I find that oftentimes in our pursuit of Jesus, we can get so wrapped up in what heaven's going to be like And the intellectual questions of faith that have no real connection to here and now and earth. And what Jesus does in Matthew 10 is what I pray he's doing in my heart right now and in your hearts right now. He's saying, let me take your questions and about this other existence, this new day I've promised, and let me draw a connection to how you live right now, right here, today. So your answer to how you get to the kingdom has a connection with how you neighbor today in this story. And the story of the Good Samaritan really is a a very tough story for someone who has a job like mine. This undescript man has been beaten, he's been robbed along a road that was actually called the bloody path. This was not uncommon for somebody on this particular road from Jerusalem to Jericho to be, to be robbed, to be beaten. It was a dangerous passageway. And Jesus tells a story about this man that starts with he has been robbed and he has been beaten, he's been left for half dead. And then the first two people that come by are people with the job acting senior pastor and pastor. The priest and the Levite. 
He didn't just uh, pin it on a, a group of people. He went very specific to a specific kind of person. The religious leaders. The priest comes by, sees the man, goes out of his way, moves across the road, and keeps going on. Why? Lots of speculation on why. I think we can assume why. As a pastor, I'll let you know why. Why I would move across the road and walk the other way. Why I got a meeting to get to. I've got church to run. My calendar's already full. I know that there's other ministries that are set up to take care of people on this part of the road, and so other ministries can take care of this one because my call is this. The priest misses it in this moment. And so just, if I could pause for a moment, some of you are struggling. I don't know this to be true. I have no evidence of this. I'm just being intuitive. Some of you are struggling with why so many pastors are saying something these days. And I have to tell you, it's because of scripture like this. That I don't want to be the priest who walks on the other side of the road and ignores what's happening in front of me. We can't just walk past and pretend like there's nothing else happening in this world. And so when we see somebody beaten and dead and broken and, uh, and, and the despair, I don't want to be this priest. I don't even want to be this Levite. And I'm grateful to work with a bunch of other pastors and leaders who don't want to be that priest or Levite either. See, the, the gospel of Jesus has a destination of eternity for all of us, but it has real life implications for today. The story of the Good Samaritan is an illustration that the way we interact in our day to day and the problems of society and the social problem of a dead, half dead man sitting on the side of the road is something that Jesus calls us to go and do likewise. Go and do likewise like the Samaritan. And I know we've got ministry and churches and the Good Samaritan is a, is a, is a phrase now. It's an, almost an idiom. And you know this, but, but in the context of the world we live in, sense how controversial this is. Jesus is juxtaposing the, the, the senior pastors to someone who probably doesn't even know God. Someone who in that culture would never even interact with the Jewish people. Someone who was a, a half-breed. Someone who was at war. Someone who you would ignore. Someone who culture, society put aside. And the hero of this story isn't the religious leader. The hero of this story is someone who might not even know God, but taps into God's ways. So the priest and the Levite, they move on. They have lots of probably reasons why they can't do that. I've shared with you some of mine. I've confessed those to you. I also believe that some of them were probably scared. If, if this happened to this guy, what's going to happen to me? I mean, I'm going to stop right here and help him right here. This is a dangerous part of the road. I got to get out of here. But the Samaritan... The Samaritan rises, rises to be the hero 
of this story. And I just have two observations about what the Samaritan did that connects to what I think you and I ought to do. And the first one is this. Difference between the Levite and the priest and the Samaritan, they all saw what happened. They all saw. But for the Samaritan, his scene changed his being. I know that's quippy, and I don't normally do that, but hang with me. His scene changed his being. The priest and the Levites saw. They saw the same thing that the Samaritan did. But that jump from seeing to, to being is that value, that trait we're talking about today of action. He didn't just simply see. He allowed what he saw to change his day, to change his bank account, to change his travel plans, to change his priorities, to change his very existence for a few days because the other became more important than himself and he gave of himself. And when Jesus says, go and do likewise, he is saying, are you seeing enough for your day to change? Have you seen enough that it's going to cost you something in time, in money, and priority? Have you seen, have you seen long enough that you sense the invitation from God to come into what you see and to be in that place? His seeing changed his being. Lake Avenue Church, many of us, I pray most of us, if not all of us, especially all of us who look like me, have seen some things in the past few weeks that seem new. They're not new. Maybe the gift of quarantine is we've had to sit long enough to see, and I believe what God is doing in this nation and in our hearts and in this church and in your pastor is that my seeing is changing our being. It's not just enough to see because we can see and choose to walk on the other side of the road. The Samaritan is an example of someone who let their seeing move into action and actually become. So my question for you this week, in light of the example, the hero of the Samaritan is what and who are you seeing? What are you seeing? Who are you seeing? Are you paying attention to your heart and to your mind? What images, scenes, storylines break you? Are, are they breaking you? Something I, I don't think I need to do often right now is get on that, the Facebook. There's definitely storylines that would declare that a, a broken window moves more <gasps> visceral response in some of our hearts than a broken body. And I think you gotta, we got to see so that we can be. We have to move to action. 
The Samaritan had the good fortune. And in the moment God invited him to see, he could move into action immediately. The reality of what you and I are living in and among, the reality of what is breaking in front of our eyes requires for some of us just to make sure we're seeing. Make sure we can see. I love what Pastor Chuck says. Not necessarily about doing yet for some. Because until we see accurately, we'll never get the full B. Seeing into being. Lake Avenue Church, who do you see this week? What do you see this week? And are you looking long enough? Am I looking long enough? I pray that what's happening for me in this worship service is is that when, I, when, I'm, when I'm watching and seeing and listening to all that is happening around me, man, do, doesn't prayer just fit more intimately? Thank you, Tracy. Don't some of the lyrics that we sing make more sense? Because our worship sits in the context of what is happening. And our worship declares hope and truth and sadness in the midst of all that is happening. Seeing the Samaritan saw enough to be changed. I think the truth of the matter is that for often, for many of us, we divert our eyes from actually seeing. What are the diversions? I mean, I hear them. Uh, actually, and it goes to my last point, it's a quick one today. The Samaritan stayed on the road. He stayed on the road. Here's how we divert our eyes in our culture and frankly over history. Here's how diversion happens. I mean, I know that man's there, but on the other road, there's a whole bunch of other things happening and there's other issues that are really important. And so this is not really, let's compare. I mean, one person on this road versus all these people on this road. I mean, you don't know where the, the, the road I did uh, last week, and on that road there was a circumstance that was a little bit different. See, we, we do this kind of, um, as Brian Loritz said in a video yesterday, Christians have the, uh, the, interesting, um, the, 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 the interesting tendency to a la carte their issues. That, that when, when we're talking about this, we're on this road. Lake Avenue Church, guess what road we're on? We are on a road, and right now, right now the road is, is racism, is, is death, is despair, is injustice. This is the road. I understand that there are other roads in a broken world. And I'm asking us to be like the Samaritan, just stay on this road, just, just for now. I don't need an email about the other roads. I'm aware that there are other injustices. There are other things, and part of being a follower of Jesus is we can hold all of those things without comparing them to one another or creating a hierarchy of which one's more important. This is the road. This is the road. The Samaritan stayed on this road and stayed with this man and Lake Avenue Church in this moment, at least for now, stay on this road. Stay with this man. Stay with this. Do not divert your eyes. What you see is 
awesome and amazing, and I see it too, and I could show you how many roads Lake Avenue Church is involved in. They move from every, feels like every continent, every nation, every social issue. We are involved in it all. You are part of a church that has many roads, sees the many roads of injustice, sees the many roads of sin, sees the many roads of difficulty in this world. We do not need to have a war about what road we are on. We can sit on this road for a bit. And when we sit on this road for a little bit, it's going to be difficult. I think I mentioned to you the road from Jericho to Jerusalem is called the Bloody Highway. No one wants to stay on the Bloody Highway very long. But the Samaritans stayed on the road. We need to stay on the road. On this road, there's some things being exposed that are not new but they might have new language and new categories. Do you realize that the depth of of temptation in this life, the depth of darkness in this life, is things like the devil, our flesh, and the world. We talk about that a lot in theology. The enemy of God is the devil, flesh, and the world. And we are seeing all of that at play. There is real evil, real demonic reality to this earth. At at a spiritual level, that is true. There is evil and darkness and, 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 and not getting it and not seeing it in my heart and in your heart. That's our flesh. Our flesh is anti the ways of God. And there is darkness in this world. And what's being exposed in this moment is the darkness of the, of the devil and of our flesh and of the world. And that is where we can sometimes struggle to understand. And so don't let language cause you to question the reality that there is darkness and difficulty in this world, which means that there is uh, something that lingers in history. There is something that lingers in human-made systems and structures. Don't get caught up in language thinking that that's impossible because we believe that the world is, is that. I find it very interesting if you are listening, and I'm going to ask you to listen to some other people this week. I can't be your whole diet right now. But what I find so interesting is whether it's a respected biblical scholar, a respected pastor, a professor of psychology, a mayor of a metropolitan city, that there are so many similar things being said in all of these contexts. Same observations. Same language, same assessment. The Bible tells us that that a Samaritan can actually do the work of God. The Bible tells us that the stones will cry out to the goodness of God. The Bible tells us that the trees will declare the goodness of God. Lake Avenue Church, look long enough, stay on the road to see what truth God is bringing into his world at this time. And when pastors and psychologists and political leaders, and and there's a theme, I believe it's God waking up his people. And I believe that we, I pray, and not with blind optimism, 
but with an expectant humility. That future generations are going to point back to this moment as the great revival. That we wouldn't just look back to different eras where Jesus moved and the church grew, but that even through this, that we will see the Spirit of God move in ways we could have never imagined. But it's going to take us listening to him. It's going to take us staying on the road and not having road competition. It's going to take us seeing and transforming into the people that God has created us to be. It's going to require us to recognize that the priest and the Levite is in every single one of us. Although that's my job title, and so I take it very personally, uh, you're the priest too. You're the Levite too. And all of us together are being called away from fear time agenda we're called to stay on the road to see and to move into action to be a part of what God is doing it's Pentecost Sunday and I felt this conviction this morning that what we really celebrate at Pentecost is the the beautiful Plurality in which God's spirit descends and each one speaking a truth about God in their own tongue and people being able to understand. And I've got to tell you, I need you, especially if I could for a moment, and I know um, to, my, to my white friends, brothers and sisters, you need more than me this week. Clearly, if you are not white, you need more than me this week. And I want you to encourage you this week to look up progressive, and we'll put this somewhere, progressive Baptist church in Chicago, Charlie Dates, who's preached in this pulpit, is a profound voice bringing truth in this moment. And I'd ask you to listen to him. I'd ask you to listen to Albert Tate, who has preached in this pulpit. He's a son of this church. I think you need to listen to fellowship this week. I think you need to listen to Ricky Jenkins, who's preached in this pulpit. He's at Southwest Church out in the desert. You need to hear his voice this week. And I'm sure there are other voices, and I recognize that I'm just giving three. Because what we celebrate at Pentecost is that the Spirit descends on all and speaks to us individually and collectively. And this week, I need us to hear from God and you to hear from God in a a more full way than I can provide. Our battle is against the devil. Our battle is against our flesh. And the battle is against this world. And praise be to God that he has overcome it all. And we wait with great anticipation and hope. And we wait with action for the day in which God makes all things new. A few weeks ago, a friend of Lake Avenue Church, um, who's a friend of our choir, who's a friend of Dwayne Funderburk, has been relocated temporarily to Pasadena. 
Darnell Abraham and his wife, Wanda. Darnell has sung with our choir many times. And prior to the quarantine, he was in the traveling. He was George Washington in Hamilton in the touring company. And they were in San Francisco doing a run of shows. And obviously, because of COVID-19, those shows stopped. And while in quarantine, he's here in town. He's recorded some encouraging messages for our choir from time to time. But a few weeks ago, Darnell reached out to Dwayne as he wanted to record one song that is quite meaningful to him. And so know that this was already in the schedule to be shown today. And this is a song Darnell wanted to sing for us, Lake Avenue Church, a few weeks ago. And I pray that as he sings that the truth of these lyrics, the truth of these lyrics and the passion with which they are sung would bring you hope and encouragement to go about your day to not just simply see, but to stay on the road to see long enough to know where God's inviting you to move so that your being can change as mine will. Lead us, Darnell. The great unchangeable I am 
Father, we ask for an outpouring, an outpouring of truth, an outpouring of love, an outpouring of your justice, an outpouring of your grace, an outpouring of your very presence into our hearts into our minds, into our congregation, into this nation, into this world. God, forgive us for the many times in which we have seen and chosen to get on the other side of the road and walk past. Forgive us for the times in which our fear prevented us from helping Forgive us for the many times in which our plans and agenda and our sense of prioritizing ourself prevented us from seeing, seeing the pain, seeing the problem. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to stay on the road. Help us to see and to see enough and long enough, and to listen long enough that it would change everything about us. God, I do pray. I pray that there is a, a, a great awakening that is emerging, that you would make beauty from ashes, that you would bring a new life, new reality, new healing, And that through all of this, that the church of Jesus Christ, that Lake Avenue Church, would be found faithful to this road and to this moment. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You might see, as you, before you go, that tonight, many, several churches in Pasadena are gathering together 7 o'clock to about 7.45. We're aware of the curfew. Uh, to gather together uh, for a time of remembrance and of being in the road. Let me be very clear. If it's not safe for you to go out, we are in a quarantine. There, there's no guilt. No shame. 
God is calling you to come out, you can join me and many in our church to stand with other believers in this city, to stand together. And I pray that as we stand there to call on the name of God to come and to to wake up as God's people to this moment. But whether you can come or not, would you please be mindful of 7 to 745 and join in prayer as the church of Jesus Christ in Pasadena will gather. We'll gather to mourn, to lament, and I pray to cry out to God. Like Emily Church, I love you so much. I hope you know that. Go and do likewise as Jesus' words for all of us. So let's do it together. Go in peace and live by faith, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you in this life, in this moment, now and forevermore. Amen.